I've been asked to introduce myself. I'm Brett Starr, the Director of Student Ministries. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I've been here about four years, and it's, uh, it's, just been, it's just been a great honor to serve uh, you guys and, and your young people. And, and in all reality, I don't get up here that much, um, but when I do, it's, it's just very humbling, and I, I appreciate um, just being able to, to share my heart with you and what, what the Lord is uh, teaching me and, and maybe something he'd like to share with us all. So um, what we've seen today, we've kind of seen a picture of, you know, some, some graduates. We saw some pictures of the high school graduates. We'll see at 11, but we saw some pictures up there scrolling on the screen and we, we saw, uh, you know, the, the college graduates that stood up and we, we just saw in this skit a, a great picture of Christ and what he's done for us and how he changes us and how we, we, we need to rely on his grace in order to be the kind of person that God wants us to be. And, and what I want to do is look at another picture uh, from the book of Psalms. If you want to open your Bible to Psalm chapter 144, verse 12. Basically, this is a picture of, uh, of what David uh, received from God, I believe, that, that is a picture of our kids. And I think it's an important verse that we all need to take a good, hard look at into the way that we raise our kids. And, and if you're a kid in here, if you're a student or, or, or a young person, that, that you need to listen as well and figure out what does God want me to be like? And Paul, or, or I'm sorry, not Paul, but David prays this prayer for the children of Israel, for the sons and daughters of his nation. And I wish we had time to go through the entire chapter of, of 144 in the book of Psalms. Uh, it's just a wonderful picture of how David begins to praise God for who he is and what he's done for him. And then out of that, he realizes how almost insignificant he is compared to the surpassing greatness of who God is. And then he begins to pray and, and, and ask God for a blessing on his nation in many ways. And this is just one of them. So if you look at this verse, it says, May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown and our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of the palace. I came across this verse a few weeks ago when I decided to do a word study on the words youth and young in the Bible. And I felt kind of dumb a couple weeks ago because I've been a youth pastor for about nine years and I've never done that. Uh, I have studied what youth means in the Bible and what God thinks, but I've never done a study where I've taken every occurrence and looked at it and, 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 and found out what God had to say about young people. And basically 450 verses later, this is the one that grabbed me, the one that was has been cemented in my mind for a couple weeks now. And it's something that I think that I'm convinced that the church, that us, the people of God, those of us who call ourselves believers, we need to take a look at this verse. And we need to figure out what it means to be a parent. We need to figure out what it means to be a man and woman of God. And, and I think uh, that, that there's a lot of different kinds of people out here and parents. There's some homes where you've got, there's two parents at home. There's probably single moms out there, single dads out there. There's, there's some of us who've adopted kids. Let me encourage uh, one group. Um, that'd be the single moms. Uh, I, I was, as, I was, as I was working on this sermon, one thing that kept coming to mind is uh, later on I'm going to talk about dads quite a bit. Um, and I kept thinking, well, you know, I know, I know some single mothers, and, and uh, I was trying to figure out something that... that uh, uh, that God would have for you. And, and the most encouraging thing I think that we could look at 
uh, is the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1. I'm not going to spend much time on it, but, but, but moms, if, if you look at 2 Timothy, chapter 1, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, I remember the faith that was in your grandmother, and who, that was in your mother, and now is in you. The spiritual heritage of Timothy was traced back through the women in his life. And there's absolutely no shame in that. And so all of us play, no matter if we've, we, there's two parents at home, a single mom or single dad, or, or maybe you're even a, a mom or dad, or you're the only believing spouse, believing parent in your home. We can look at Timothy and say, his, his mother influenced him in a great way for Christ. So I think that God gives us a wonderful picture here in Psalm 144.12 of what we are supposed to be like and what we are supposed to train our young many young women to be like. I also think it can be very significant in the life of our church. So if you hear me talking about parents, don't tune me out if you're not a parent or maybe your, parent, or maybe your kids have left your house. Um, because I think all of us can be spiritual parents. And uh, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John in the New Testament always spoke of those people who they led to Christ as their children. And even Paul called Timothy and Titus his true child in the faith. So all of us can look at the people that we minister to, whether they're young or whether they're old, as our children. And we need to figure out what God says about them and how to raise them up and what they're supposed to be like. So before we dig into the verse, I want you to know that basically what I'm going to do is try to paint a picture of what we can do with our kids, a very specific thing we could do with our kids at a very specific age. And I'll get to what that is later. But what I want to remind you of is that our spiritual influence as parents on our kids begins the moment that they're born and doesn't end for a long, long, long time. So no matter how old our kids are, whether they're two, whether they're 40, we can continue to speak truth and, and, and Jesus and the gospel into their lives and have a wonderful effect on their life. So although I might, I might say a specific age today and maybe talk about that, um, don't think that if you haven't done this certain thing at a certain age that you failed or you don't have a chance anymore. Because as parents, we can always continue to speak truth in the lives of our kids. So back to the verse. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown and our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. The first thing that jumps out to me in this verse is the three words in their youth. May our sons in their youth. And the idea that's all throughout the word of God and the idea that's in this verse that our young people in their youth can be like a full-grown plant in a pillar, something that's strong and magnificent and, and beautiful and formed and, and something that can withstand uh, storms and that kind of thing. I think that idea goes directly opposite to what our culture tells young people today. I think we live in a culture where there's this idea called adolescence. And that idea basically, as I've studied it, has come directly from uh, Darwin and evolution. And, and, and the guy who kind of defined adolescence said this, um, kids are not, you know, they're, they're, they're not these primitive animals anymore like, like little kids, but they're, con- they're, they're in this you know, 10 to 24-year-old range. They're not quite adults yet. They're not quite men and women yet. They're not children still. So what are they? Well, they're adolescents. They're kind of in this caveman-like state. They're growing up. And it was directly taken from, taken from evolution. And I think what, uh, what adolescence has done with our kids 
has given them a mindset of, I'm not a kid, I'm not a child, but I'm also not a man or woman, what am I? And I think we haven't done a good job of defining what a man and woman is to our young people. There's a 14-year-old kid that was in my youth group once for quite a long time, and almost every week he got in trouble. I had to send him out in the hallway or had to take him in my office and talk with him. And, and one week, got in trouble again, had to send him out in the hallway, and later on I took him to my office. And, and, and this time I looked him in the eye and I said, do you want me to treat you like a boy or a man? And he got silent for about the first time in eight months because he had absolutely no clue what I was asking him. And he looked so confused and, and, and I said, how, how would you, well, what, what would you say a man is? He's like, I, I don't know. He had absolutely no, no clue how to answer that question. And I think that's because the culture that he lives in doesn't define that for him. It tells him, you, oh, well, you're an adolescent. You are, you are just a, you're just a guy. Uh, and you're, you're allowed to be an idiot for a long time until you get to a certain age. I think what adolescence has done is allowed young people to continue to be children and childish for a long time. When in reality, that's not what the Bible talks about. I don't think the Bible, as I've studied it, gives any room for this area we call adolescence. It doesn't give any room for it. And if, if maybe this doesn't seem like such a big deal to you, but I think it was a big deal to Paul. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child and I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So obviously in Paul's life, there was a point where he knew I'm no longer a child, I'm a man. And I'm not saying that there's a specific time or specific age given in scripture to where we have to, you know, you know, at at 10 years, four months and three days, somebody becomes a man or a woman. I don't think that's the case. But, but what I want to propose to you is, is something. And this is kind of my idea, and I'll try to, try to help you out and figure out, we'll figure out where it came from. But I think at, at age 12, we need to start calling our young people young men and young women. I think that words are very powerful, and I think sometimes the only time our kids hear that term young man or young woman applied to them is when dad is mad, mad and he says, young man, you get over here. At that point, do they want to be a young man? They don't want to be a young man. And, and, it, and it seems like that's the only time I could think of. I'm like, when do we say young man to someone? And, and usually it was when they're in trouble. But what 12-year-old wants to be called a young man when that's only re- associated with being in trouble all the time? And I think we need to, at age 12, begin to show them what a man and a woman is. Show them a man is not just a boy who can shave his face and a woman is not just a girl who can shave her legs. It's something way more than that. And we need to model it for them and we need to show them. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time here is just paint a very hopefully clear picture to you um, as something you could do and something that you, you could um, choose to, to take on with your kids. And if you do, I think it would have an enormous impact on their lives spiritually I think you would make a memory that they would never, ever forget. And I think what also would happen is that we as Christian parents, um, we, would, we would begin to have a high view of our kids, of our young men and women. They're not just these cavemen-like 
Geico commercials, so easy a caveman can do it kind of things. They're young men and young women that we need to train, that we need to raise up for the Lord. Um, and what I'm going to what I'm going to explain to you may not work for everybody. It may not be something that you would want to do. And you know what? That's all right. Um, but hopefully what it'll help us do is to figure out what can we do. I want you to sit there. I want you to listen. I want you to maybe take a note or two. But I want you to think about what could be with your kids. So here we go. Picture this. Dad, or if dad isn't around, mom, you, you can obviously, you can do this as well. But when your son is 12 years old, you take him out for a steak dinner. Big steak dinner. Let him get any steak he wants. And then you take him up to Alum Creek State Park around this time of year. And you find this cottonwood tree that's going to be right there. It's one of the largest trees in Ohio. It's about 40 feet around, 130 feet high. And you take your son there and you sit down under it. And you say to him, son, your dad wants you to grow up to become a great man of God. And so, dad, you open up your Bible with your son as you're sitting under that tree. And you go to 1 Corinthians eleven seven, which says that a man is the image and glory of God. That's what a man is. You begin to explain to him that a man is to be a picture of who God is. And men are to bring glory to God with everything that they do. And our lives need to reflect who Jesus is and how we need to glorify him. And we need to make him famous, not ourselves. Then you tell him that a man is not someone who lives for himself and does whatever he wants to make himself happy. He's not someone who thinks that he should get whatever he wants. And he has his own little hobbies that nobody better get in the way of. But you explain to him that a man is someone who, who would lay down his life, that would give up his stuff. Give himself up for others. And a man is someone who would live and possibly die for Christ. And there's so much more that you can tell your son what a man is, and, and, and there's more that you should tell him. But we're going we're gonna to move on. After you, use, you, you have used your Bible to define what a man is to him, you turn to our verse, Psalm 144, 12. You're still under the tree and you put your, your, your hand on his, his shoulder and you say, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you like David prayed, a prayer of blessing over the nation of Israel. And so you pray and you say something like this, Dear Lord, please help my son while he is young to be like a plant full grown. And then you both open your eyes and he gives you the funniest look you've ever seen in your life, wondering why you just told him you want him to be like a plant. And, uh, and, and, and then you begin to explain to him what that plant is like and where that plant came from. You explain to him how a full-grown plant begins with some type of seed, that that huge tree that you're sitting under that you've probably not ever seen a bigger tree in your life comes from a seed, and a seed that needs to be planted within our hearts and within the hearts of every man, every man is the seed of the gospel. It's the word of God which John called in his gospel, Jesus. He is the living word of God. And you tell him that, that the seed of Christ needs to be planted with him in order for him to grow the way that God wants him to. And then you turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 15 and you say, son, let me read you something that dad believes. If that's something that you have not said to your kids, you need to do it now. Tell them this is something that dad believes. This is something mom believes. 
open your Bible and tell them, here's why I believe it. Don't assume, don't assume that they're just going to understand everything that you believe. But tell them. So in 1 Corinthians 15, you, you start in verse 3. Say to your son, for I delivered to you as a first importance, first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas to the, and to the twelve, and he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. So you can read that to him, which is in a nutshell the gospel, but here's my question, parents, can we, do we know how to explain the gospel to our kids? If I put you in a room for an hour, however long you wanted, could you explain to them, here's what the gospel is, son. Here's the seed that is supposed to be within us. Here's what Christ is all about and who he is. Could you explain to him, as Paul said in Acts 20, about repentance towards God, holy God, and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ? I think we better all figure that out and how to do that. If you remember, Jesus taught a parable, which some have called the parable of the sower, or the parable of the soils, or the parable of the seed, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was a parable that he told to people, and his disciples didn't always get things. And so he would say, you know, our, our, our Bibles tell us nicely things like he would say to them, oh, ye of little faith, or are you so dull? Basically, that was Jesus' sarcasm saying, you know, the, you know, back to the future, hello, McFly, do you not get it? That's kind of what I understand it to be. So he explains it to them, and it's, it's about a farmer who sows some seed on a bunch of different places. The seed lands, and, 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 and he explains it, and he says, the farmer sows the word. So dads, for the sake of our analogy, you're the farmer. You sow the word. And some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And again, for the sake of our analogy, that's your kids. So dad, you're sowing the seed of the gospel into your kids. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed grown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word and accept it and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Now, you might be blessed with the kid who God has just been working on, and, and his ears and his heart are like good soil, and it's going to take you, you know, one or two times. Here's the gospel, son. Here's who Jesus is. And he's going to get it, and run with it, and produce this huge crop. It's going to be amazing. Some of you, some of us, might be blessed with the kid who cares too much about the things of this world. Or maybe it seems like one day he'll get it, and then the next day he doesn't get it, and you're wondering, well, I thought you got it yesterday at church. You, you, you went up, you went forward, you, didn't you? Yeah, but I don't know what I was doing. It might be frustrating. But here's the thing about the farmer. He still threw it on those places, didn't he? still did it. And I think our job as parents is to continue to sow the seed no matter where our kids are, what they're doing, and allow God to be the one, as we learned a couple weeks ago, he's the one who gives the growth. He's the one who draws our kids to himself. 
our job is to take part in that and, and be part of the grace of God that shares and sows the seed of the gospel within our kids. I've heard it said that we need to work like it's all up to us and pray like it's all up to God. And fathers, in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we just read in, in 1 Corinthians about what is of first importance, and that's the gospel, that is Jesus. And fathers, we are supposed to be the ones to discipline and instruct our kids in the Lord. So if what we are instructing our kids of first importance is baseball or a musical instrument or academics or fun or working on a car or whatever, if that is the thing that they would look to you and say, that's of first importance in my dad's life, that's what he's teaching me to do, we've absolutely missed what it means to be a parent biblically. We need to get our priorities where they need to be and put the thing of first importance as the gospel in our kid's life. And be that the thing that we practice with them every day. Because we want them to be more like Christ. So you're back at the tree. You've shown him biblically what a man is. You've sown the seed of the gospel within him. And then you look at the tree together. You go up to the tree. And you point out to your son, look at the tree and how it grows. And you show him the trunk and you say, that trunk is growing up. It's growing vertically. And I want your life to grow vertically towards god and then you show them the branches how they're growing out and say i want you to grow out in your relationships with other people and you show them mark twelve twenty eight, which says when jesus was asked what which commandment is the most important of all and jesus answered the most important is hero israel the lord our god the lord is one you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and the second is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself There's no other commandment greater than these. And you point out to him, that's why, son, he said we need to be like a plant. We need to be like this tree growing up towards God and growing out towards other people. Now, earlier I picked the age of 12 to begin to refer to uh, our kids as young men and young women. I did that because in Luke chapter 2 is the story of Jesus when he was 12 at the temple. He was sitting there, he's interacting with the leaders of the temple and you know, asking questions, giving answers, and it says that they were even amazed at his answers. But what we need to do is point out Luke 2.52. It says that Jesus increased or grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. I want to point out to our kids how Jesus grew. It says he grew in wisdom. Well, I thought Jesus was God and he knew everything. I don't understand it, but obviously Luke says he had to grow in wisdom. Philippians 2 talks a little bit about that Jesus uh, gave up some things or didn't, didn't always use the things that he had as God. And, I, and maybe this was one of them. He had to become wise. He had to learn some things too. And I think he was also taught that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. From, for, or from Proverbs 1.7. And that fools despise wisdom and discipline. So he grew in wisdom, and he grew in stature. How did he grow in stature? Well, he ate food. Luke was a doctor, and he wanted to point out Jesus was human. He's fully God and fully man. He ate. He got hungry. He grew. He probably had pimples. He probably tripped. Okay? Probably fell out of a tree. Um, He was human. So he grew in stature. 
But then the thing you, you want to show to your son is how Jesus grew in, with, in favor with God and with man. Jesus grew in his relationship with the Father. And Jesus grew in relationship with other people. And we need to show him that Jesus isn't just the seed that, that, that is planted within us that gets to heaven, gets us to heaven. He's also the, our, our perfect example of how we need to be. And, and, and for some reason, God just chose to pick this time when Jesus was 12 and throw it in there to us. And then the next thing we hear, he's 30 years old. I think he did it for a reason. For our kids. And then what you do, Dad, is you, uh, you've told him he needs to grow up with God and grow out with other people. Then what you do is you tell him and show him how you do that. Son, here's how I grow with God. I'm not perfect. I never will be perfect. The only perfect father is God. But here's how I grow with God. And here's what I've done over my life to reach out to other people, to love people who are of the household of faith in the church, and to love people who the Bible calls outsiders, those people who don't know Christ. Here's how I've grown with both of those groups. And here's what I do. Maybe you can do the same things I could do. Uh, maybe you're going to do it different, but here's how I do it. Man, that would be powerful, wouldn't it? For your son to hear how you read your Bible and study it and pray and what God is teaching you and how, you know, who you've led to Christ and who has impacted your life as, as other Christians and loved you and helped you and who you've helped. Be amazing for your kids to hear that. So I want us to think about how our kids are growing. Are they loving God more and loving people more? Or do they love themselves more and, and, and kick and whine and scream until they get what they want? The third thing that we're going to talk about with a full-grown plant. So what you do is you have your son go up to that cottonwood tree and look at the, look at the branches, look on the ground around him, look in the air, flying around, what's he going to see? He's going to see those little cottony things that are annoying, right? We're walking along and you don't want to breathe them in. You're moving out of the way. He's going to see those cotton things. What do they have in those? A seed. And you explain to him how, how, how most trees have seeds or some trees have fruit. And you take him to Galatians 5 and say, you know what, son? God puts within us fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And you say that as God has given us fruit, those things are never alone. And as the fruit and as the seed is spread among the people that we love, what's going to happen is the seed is going to become visible through those things. The seed of the gospel is going to become evident in our love for people and in our joy and in our faithfulness and in our self-control. If those things are, are, are void of the gospel, they're no good. If we just say, I want to be a nice person, I want to be a joyful, happy person, but you don't ever want to tell a person where that came from, it's worthless. We need to be willing to not just show them the fruit, but we need to be willing, son, to show these people what the seed is inside of it. And you explain to him that he's been given the gospel, the seed of Christ within him to grow and mature and, and, and reproduce himself in other people with the same seed that was given to him. That's what a plant does. And I think that's the picture that God wants us to get of our sons being full-grown plants. 
So we have to move on to our daughters, but I'll tell you those three things. The seed of the gospel and how we grow up towards God and out toward others. And then the fruit, which reproduces other plants, reproduces other people who have their lives centered on the gospel and on Jesus. It doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what we could talk about with plants. We didn't even get into roots. We didn't, you know, there's so much more. I just picked three. So you're probably, as I'm talking, thinking of more. That's awesome. Write it down. Tell them that too. But we're going to move on to our daughters. So back to Psalm 144.12. May our daughters be like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. So picture this. Take your 12-year-old daughter on a day trip to Cincinnati. You find a nice restaurant, whatever, wherever she wants to go. And you eat. When you're done eating, you take her to this church, St. Peter in Chains Cathedral. It's in Cincinnati. Look at the people and look at the pillars. You sit down under that corner pillar right there. And you say to her, daughter, (laughs) I want you to grow up. God wants you to grow up to be a great woman of God. And then what you do is you take it to Proverbs 31.30, which says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And tell her that she's beautiful, but the most beautiful thing about her is when she fears the Lord, and that her beauty is going to go away someday. And then you read to her 1 Corinthians 11.7, which says, A man is the image and glory of God, but a woman is the glory of man. Now, ladies, before you get upset, you can send God an email complaining I didn't write this, okay? Basically what it's saying is that a woman is the image and glory of God as well. Maybe it's in some different ways than a man has been been shaped by God. But she's the image and glory of God as well. And that she needs to be a picture of God and bring glory to God in everything that she does. And her life needs to reflect the image of Christ. And who he is. And that she needs to bring glory and honor to God and make him famous and not herself. Maybe this is sounding familiar. You tell her a woman is not someone who's so focused on herself that she forgets and neglects others. A woman is not someone who does all that she can do to make her life happy and interesting and easy. Tell her that a woman is someone who knows that she doesn't know at all and humbly She learns from older women, as Titus 2 says, to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure and working at home and kind and submissive to their husbands so that the word of God may not be reviled. That's what we teach her a woman is. And you put your hand on her shoulder after you've told her what a woman is, and you tell her, I want to pray a little prayer for you of blessing like David prayed for the daughters of Israel. Close your eyes. You say, dear Lord, please make my daughter in her youth like a big, tall, strong pillar. And then you open your eyes and she gives you an even weirder look than your son gave you about a plant. Why do you want me to be a pillar, Dad? Let me tell you. So you read to her this verse, Psalm 144.12. You point out to her that, that, that you and God want her to be like a corner pillar which is used and, and made and put in a palace or a temple. And you tell her about that pillar, how it started out from a big stone or a big rock, and that the stone or the rock that God desires that's, that we are formed out of and into 
is the rock of our salvation, who's Jesus. And you tell her that her life needs to be set on the foundation of God's word, of Christ's word. And that you believe that God, just like he says in Romans 8, foreknew her and predestined her to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And that final cut pillar is one that looks like Jesus Christ. And you go back to Psalm 144, 12, and read to her that the pillar is cut in order to be used. You point out to her that that pillar looks so nice now, but at one point, the stone cutters had to cut it and polish it and, and, and change it to be what it is today. And you tell her that her, with, throughout her entire life, that God is going to be chipping away and cutting away and polishing and washing off all of these things that don't look like the image of Christ. And that he's not going to be done with her. And that, that he is going to place her where he wants her to be and, do, and, and have her do what he's designed her to do. And then you give yourself some hope and her some hope. And read her Philippians 1, 6, which says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So tell her that it's not going to be something that's going to happen overnight and she's never going to be perfect and you don't expect her to be perfect. But you expect God to be the one that's working on her and in her to form her into the, the, the image of Christ and that when Jesus comes back, that's when it'll be done. And you give her that hope that someday you're going to be perfect, honey. So another thing about these pillars is that they are put on display as centerpieces of the buildings that they're put in. Uh, it might sound a little awkward, too, that we want our daughters to be put on display. It's not usually something we think about. But what I want you to think about is a wedding. What do we do with our daughters? We put them in a white dress and we put them on display for their husband. And you explain, you know, what, what if you explained to your 12-year-old daughter that someday... Some guy is going to come to me and he's going to want to marry you. And I want to be able to take that man aside with my gun <laughs> and tell him, boy, <laughs> that you can call him a boy then. He's not a young man. He's a boy. <laughs> my daughter has grown up to be this wonderful, beautiful pillar. And I remember I, one time when I took her, to this big church with these huge pillars. And I explained to her how she needs to be conformed and cut into the image of Jesus. And I, and I don't know what you say. You know, I've seen this girl for 21, 22, however many years, be formed and shaped into the image of Jesus. She's not perfect. She never will be perfect. And boy, you're going to have a chance to help be that agent of God's grace in her life now to help her to be even more conformed to the image of Christ. Is that something that you want to do? Because you better. <laughs> you know? Man, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? And then you point out to her and say, and honey, this is what's going to happen when we're presented to Christ as his beautiful bride dressed in white The picture of a bride is for, is for us. God's church. And, and, and I'm, I'm so glad that I don't have to come up with my own word pictures. I'm glad there's a big book here with a lot of them. Man, they're good, aren't they? 
And you know what? We don't have time again. We don't have time to go through everything about what a pillar is. And there's probably way more than I told you about. But I hope that we can begin to have a high view of our young men and young women who are in our lives. And we need to give, begin to give them a picture that's opposite of what our culture gives them about what a man and woman is. And, and make it one that's biblical. And, and we need to understand that, that God's perfect and we're not. But by his grace, our lives can begin to reflect what he looks like. I want to read you one, one more final thought. Um, it's not from the Bible, but it's, it was taken from the largest study ever done concerning youth and religion. Thousands of kids were interviewed and talked to, and there's a book written, a movie made, but just about youth, young people, and religion. And here was their final statement to sum up their findings, okay? This is it. Parents, when it comes to the spiritual lives of your children, you will get what you are. That's very humbling. And again, that's not a scripture verse. But, but what, if we, what if we started wherever we are? I understand our, all of our kids aren't 12. Some of them are 2, some of them are 40. Some of them are older, everywhere in between. We, ha- we, we have the opportunity to begin to speak into their lives spiritually and, and share truth with them and share the gospel. Don't think that the gospel is this one-time thing share with your kids. You need to teach them and show them how the gospel impacts our life even now. We need to continually show them who Jesus is, continually show them how we are growing towards God. Maybe even as they're getting older, you ask them, son, you know, I don't understand quite what it means when it says that Jesus grew in wisdom. What do you think that means? And just continue to pour into them the seed of the gospel, the seed of God's word, and build their life on the rock, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, because that farmer still threw the seed, didn't he? He knew he was throwing it on on the sidewalk. He knew he was throwing it into some rocky soil, but he was going to see what happened with it. So there is hope, and it's never late to begin or too early to begin, you know, what a better time if you've got a baby who can't do anything other than just sit there and drool or what? You know, what a better opportunity to sit there and read the Bible out loud. Because it's God who is giving the growth. You don't know what that baby hears and understands, and who knows? Maybe God does a miraculous thing in that. I don't know. But we've got a lot of opportunities. We just need to begin to take them as the people of God and set a higher standard for our young men and women. So what I'd like to do is, uh, if you're a parent of a kid any age, stand up. Just a couple. Um, if you're around them, and I, you guys can hold hands, you can put a hand on their shoulder, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and pray. I know the, the worship band's going to come back up and and do another song when we're done. But I just want to pray for you guys. And as I'm praying, you guys can pray for each other however you want to do it. But there's a lot of parents out here. I've got a seven and five and almost three-year-old. And, and every day I'm trying to, I, don't, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I need to rely on God's grace. I need to rely on the help of other people in this church. Um, 
need to rely on his word to show me what to do. And, and, and in the past few weeks, I've had a very clear picture. My sons, they've got to be big, honking, big plants in their youth. Like, while they're young, not to wait till they're 25. And my daughter's got to be like this big, huge, strong, cut, beautiful pillar that is in the most beautiful church in Cincinnati or whatever. That's what she's got to be in her youth. So, wow, I've got to start now while they're three, five, and seven. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the clear pictures you give us. I thank you that the analogy of a plant and a pillar can go on and on and on and on. And I think you do that so that we can always think of more and share more and tell our kids more. And Lord, just help us to be, as parents, these pillars and these plants and begin to be like those things. Help us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Lord, we know that that you are the only perfect father. So Lord, help us not to uh, get too discouraged when we're not perfect. Help us to rely on your forgiveness and your grace. Help our kids not to um, help our kids to know that the thing of first importance in our life that we want to train and teach them in is the gospel. Help that gospel to penetrate the hearts and lives of every kid sitting in this room. And uh, Lord, give us as parents courage and wisdom and the words, even if we are shy and don't like to share our feelings with our kids. Help us to do it simply because we love you and we want to obey you. And that you will give us your strength when we are weak. I just thank you for every parent in here. I pray that they will just be encouraged today uh, just to love their kids and and share truth with them. No matter how old they are, how young they are, what they're doing in their life. I just pray that you will encourage us all in, in who you are and your word. I just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.